On this week's Bet the Process podcast, we finally air the part of the episode from last week where we talk about Rufus being a lounge singer. We also go through a mailbag where we talk about all things betting, all things golf, and we have some normal pedantic conversation about things that nobody cares about. And we try to use the word Calcutta at least four times. And so with that, let's start the process. Bet the process. Bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. Welcome to. Another episode of the Bet the Process podcast where Rufus and I are going to do a mailbag. And I'm fresh from anger management school. That's what someone asked if that's why we took our hiatus was for anger management, Jeff going to anger management school. The funny thing is like, you know me well, Rufus, am I an angry person? No, not at all. <laughs> but I probably do seem very angry on the pod. It's, it's kind of a shtick because I'm always like mad at you, I guess. It's not, it's not anger. I'd say it's just general frustration, general frustration. <laughs> it's like a constant, even amount of frustration towards you, the little brother I never had and never wanted. That's, like, yeah. Where, where are you right now, Jeff? Cause it looks like you're not at your house. I am. It's just normally a blurred background and I kind of switched the orientation. I'm in Tiburon. Uh, you're well, not, you, you normally there. don't have a blurry background. Normally you just have that. You're at that. You're in your yeah. uh, guest room. This is we're describing something that people can't see on a podcast. So gonna add to the list of things that are bad about our podcast. People can back to seven listeners. People like to visualize things. Jeff yeah. right now is on, um, has a tank, on a couch. Has a tank top on. He has an ugly tank top on that he only wears to work out. Uh, I'll never no, go back down. Back from seeing Jeff. Our friend Ted Knudsen, who's visiting um, the United States with his family, and he is uh in tiburon my town he rented a house here for uh three weeks just just to fun. see you no he came Mostly. to visit once and i live in a wonderful town and he thought it'd be a fun place to come to a vacation so i went and dropped off a couple of bottles of scribe wines and a bottle of pliny the elder Damn. because he was reading about how he wanted a good california beer and pliny from uh russian river i think was voted best beer in the u.s at one point yeah, I might be mistaken. I had one of the Pliny's when I was in Sonoma. I don't think it was. Pliny, you might have Pliny special. the Younger, which is the more rarer, rarer one. More I rare. I mean, it was on it was on tap at one of these places in the sort of square in Sonoma. So I'm sure it wasn't the like really really rare one. Could have been. Who knows? Maybe. I mean, for someone of your caliber or stat, your stature, who knows? My stature, aka um, So I, I do have sad news to report. Literally got no inquiries for sponsors. So I guess maybe we just won't be sponsored again. Uh, uh, Actually, no, I think someone did did reach out. I have to go look at my my DMs again. Someone did reach out, maybe. So I, maybe I like the I, I like the idea of we can have somebody sponsor each episode and they can like there, you know, we could be sponsored, you know, one week by I don't know, some like car mechanic in you know, Ohio. Maybe. We could actually do uh, the Loop app, which is a golf app that's trying to basically do Strava for golf. 
So it sort of automatic. Strava is like a performance tracking for cycling and running. Ah. This tracks your, your round automatically. They have, um, isn't the, so, you know, the Arcos, I think that does some of that. Similar to Arcos. Yeah. I was, it's kind of like, it's in a soft, it's in a soft launch right now. So there's like some dust still on the ground, but. I didn't know much about Arcos, but I keep seeing um, this guy Lou Stagner on Twitter and his tweets that are like very relevant to me because it's all about like a five index player and a 10 index player, like and what percent, you know, what their driving distance dispersion looks like, how, what percentage of the time they hit the green from 150 yards in the fairway. And, and I, I found it pretty interesting. Do you think we can go through the whole episode without saying the word Calcutta? Ah, damn it. We didn't do it. People say they don't care. People say they don't care about our Calcutta. Hey, one, um, one. We do it for us, not for them. Yeah, well, we do the podcast for us. Exactly. So it's it's a very common theme. Um, if if you want your money back, you can have it back. Someone asked when is Sizzle coming on, which is uh, which is great. I great question because he's actually going to be coming on in a couple weeks. We have him scheduled. And we're probably going to take hiatus till he comes back on. We're probably going to take two weeks off because I'll be on my vacation. We're not, we're not going to, hard to do. You were telling me we were going to get Ted on. We, you can't, yeah, we don't get him on in person though. Like we, we got to get him on b- before we do the Starker Calcutta, the World Cup Calcutta. When is the World Cup? Help. What's that? When is the World Cup? I don't think it's for a while still. I think it's in the winter, isn't it? Oh, because it's, it's in it's, Qatar. It's in Qatar. Because they, yeah, I've been to that airport. <laughs> As I'm sure you have, Jeff, right? No, I've never been there. Doha been Airport? To, no. I've been to Dubai. I've been to Pakistan. I've been to Oman. I've never been to the Qatar Airport in Doha. Doha? Doha? Doha, I think. Doha. Sorry. Uh, do you want to answer some questions or is there anything else you want to talk about while, while we've got everyone? Uh, did you, how did you do in the, the, uh, 3M open? Um, did pretty well. Um, actually, no, um, the last day wasn't super good for me. Uh, I'll give you a pretty bad beat. You want to hear a bad beat? You bet Piercy. No, I didn't have Piercy thankfully, but I had, um, I had some Maverick McNeely matchups. I had a tournament matchup of him against Adam Hadwin. It was up like five strokes going into the last round and he was up three strokes going into the final hole. Um, and I also had a tournament matchup for him against um, Merritt, who was up four strokes going into, the, he was up, McNeil was up four strokes on Merritt going into the last hole, the 18th hole. Um, both the guys he was against were done. So just a double bogey and I win both those matchups, right? Um, 18 is a par five, but there's a lot of water involved. He doesn't hit it into the water and he scores a nine on the hole. How do you do that? Uh, it took him three shots to get out of a fairway bunker. And the last of them was just like a 27 foot shot into the rough. So I'm guessing his ball like embedded in the, you know, in the bank of a bunker or something like there wasn't TV coverage of it, but, but I, I'm curious about that myself. So I'm on like a, that was like right there. That's like negative 60,000. That's one of those ones that you got to rush just to see what the F happened. And that's why golf coverage sucks. Well, you're like, is there a mistake? Like, you know, because sometimes there's, yeah, there's no way. There's like, there's no way he took like he hit it six feet in the fairway bunker. Maybe it's like a drop. I don't know. Did you Google like Maverick McNeely 18th hole like and see if there's a video of it at least? No, I didn't. I probably should. 
just to really string out the pain. I mean, we still made like 2% or something on the tournament, but we were looking so good. We were up six figures after the first two rounds and everything graded and all these, like we had so many guys in the hunt, um, both in the Euro and the PGA. In fact, actually I ran the numbers after the first round of both of these tournaments we had, there was a 65% chance we hit an outright on, on at least one outright. Um, Cause we had um, Paul Waring who was winning the Euro tour event and some other guys near the top. And we had like, um, we didn't have Grillo. We had Sung J M and Tom Hoagie. We actually added Grillo positions. Grillo, Grio. Nobody knows how to say his name. I bet it's Grio. It is. Um, he's, he's said publicly it's Grillo. Cause I think he just wants people to, you know, he's like, okay, I'm going to Americanize it. And I just don't want people to just. Well, and butchering it. I so mean, and, the announcers call him Grillo. Some call him Grillo and some call him Grio. There's a street in a town in California called Vallejo. So there you go. Yeah, it would, that would be easier. That's easier for people to know because it's there's a J. But Americans aren't always that good at pronunciation of other. No, but the point, point is, shouldn't it be Vallejo instead of Vallejo? Ooh. Mm. You know, I'm not a Latin hmm. American scholar, but. Um, okay, so say, back- the double L sound is just is different. Like when I was in Argentina, it's, it's very different in Argentina than it is in Colombia than it is in Mexico. It's like it's not Medellin. It's Medellin. Argentina, it's Portuguese, right? Yeah, but the double L sound. Okay, so it's like a ja there and like a ja in like Colombia and a ja in Mexico, I think. Someone's going to correct me, I'm sure, but. Is Argentinian's language Portuguese? No, it's Spanish. No, that's Brazil. Argentina is Spanish. I was going to say, I'm kind of. I wasn't. Really sorry, that one in one. And I was kind of being an idiot. Okay, so can we go back to my victory lap? So I am on a. If you take the British Open out, I am on a streak of betting only one outright and winning it. So you said you got a two percent return. I got a seventeen hundred percent return because I bet on Tony Fina outright and won that. And two Don't weeks. Don't you just before, bet on him every week though? No, I. It's funny because you remember how we talked about. Uh, wanting to sweat games. And so I actually have bet two baseball games this year. I bet the Red Sox against the Yankees on a Sunday night where they came back from like a 4-0 or 5-1 or 6-1 deficit in one, and they're plus 135 or 145. And then I bet the Giants when they were even uh, against someone and they, they lost an extra inning. So I'm still up betting baseball, and I might just stop right now for the season. But I want you told me like bet some golf and have some fun outrights, and so I bet Xander in the Scottish and won that, and then I bet Finau in the 3M and won that, and I just like literally just picked one guy to bet. You're um, a savant. Well, I also lost a lot of money in the British Open and the in the Open Championship in the Calcutta. Said Calcutta again. That's yeah, 12. but the, but Jeff, those weren't your projections. That's See, your your gut rules the day so maybe we should uh live time i can pick but i also actually like part of the reason i picked finau is you know how will when will tweets out the whole like where the sharps are and it's like yeah. a good, i just like to look for the guy in the furthest up hand upper hand right and pick that guy so you always bet him and assume it's not priced in in the regular market of course not yeah of course I'm not like i'm not like anal- trying to do this analytics analytics is dead rufus when's the last yeah. time you've been attention well, I, do- I may not be returning that percentage, but I'm, we've won five straight weeks and nine of 10 weeks for golf, which 
came after like the first four months of the year, we were slightly down. And now it's like back to like, now we're up to a 4.1% ROI on the year for it, which is, you know, close to last year. I think we were 4.7% ROI overall, although higher on golf, but you know, who cares about your sport, your sports betting ROI? Not you and not the listeners, but I will say this, Jeff, what's interesting though, is it's just, it's crazy how like, like it is crazy how many runs, you know, bad and good I've had in the last two years and, and how it can feel like, I don't know, you can, you can have a thousand bet streak where you're not making money. And then the next thousand bets, you just absolutely crush it. And like this happened to me last year too. I hadn't had such a long, like we had a, like a bad streak the first three months of the year last year. And then we, I mean, we had a period where we won 15 out of 16 weeks and we're just returning like 25% in that period. Okay. So much. the Yeah. So Good you have talk. To trust the process, baby. Good talk. Okay. Should we you get want to answer some questions? Let's Unless there's something else you want to talk about? Nope. Uh, I like this one. Favorite snack food while sweating a big game. I know you don't really sweat big games. What's your favorite snack food? I'm not a big snacker. Um, it. I'm going to let you go first here. I love, I love a good potato chip. So, like, there's these Spanish potato chips called Torres that have our truffle potato chips and those things are black truffle potato chips. They're delicious. Oh God. I thought you could be bougier. No, but then if I want to go old school, it's literally just, just caviar. Know, those, no, those kettle, those kettle chips, like thick kettle chips yeah. that you can get at Costco with, with the kettle brand with sour cream and onion dip made with like sour cream and Lipton onion mix and just make that dip. And I can crush that like, like no tomorrow. Okay. Honestly, my, I, you know, I just snack on whatever's around. I'm more of a savory than a sweet person. Well, that's snacks, right? I mean, I listed a bunch of savory things. You did. Ooh, actually my favorite snack, actually, I'm going to throw out something bougie in Maine. Like, although this isn't, I don't, I haven't sweated a game in a long time. Really. It doesn't feel like, but they have these like smoked muscles that are just amazing. I'll just eat, go through a tin of these smoked muscles. Okay. That's an interesting snack. Yeah. I mean, look, you got to take advantage of being like the, the, the gifts that Maine has to offer. Maine has lots to offer. Are you still in Maine? I am. Are you at an Airbnb or is that your home? No, I'm in Airbnb. I'm in Portland, Maine. It's my last, my last night in Portland, Maine after two weeks. Where are you going next? I'm going to decide tomorrow morning, but I think I'm, I'm going back to, back to my parents up in Blue Hill, Maine. They're oh, yeah. both now recovered from COVID. I think I'm, I made a, I made a tea time on Tuesday, the 9th at Pelican Hill, which is like a good golf course down, down South in Orange County. I need to get my game back together. My brother is thrown back and tied the Peabody cup up. He's been like, just this guy's a machine. He doesn't hit the ball that far, but he's like, he hits everything straight. He makes all his putts inside of five feet and generally inside of 10 feet and his lag putting is fantastic his short his short game he just kills me on a short game um and he hits the ball straight so i just my only hope is to basically just i need to just play a course that's really long and that's that's my only chance these days all right does your betting philosophy or statistics carry over into everyday life such as plus ev decisions risk how do you balance it so that's from russell ambrose 
I'll say the that one was from Brett Johnson. I think that's the. I wonder if that's the Brett Johnson that I know. Is that him? Um, so I'll, I'll say my betting about- philosophy. I will say the process, like the but betting, has taught me a lot of lessons that have carried over to my daily life, and which is, you know, very much being process oriented, um, understanding randomness you know, things like that, not getting too high or too low, not stressing over things you can't control. But I will say that in terms of my own sort of athletics and just my, the way I live life, I am much more of a, I don't, I guess I'm not super analytical in terms of, in in terms of my own sport, like my own golf game. I'm definitely, you know, I'm, I'm a few, I'm a field player in all my, in all sports. And I kind of, you know, I'd say make decisions emotionally probably more often than I, than my betting philosophy would suggest, like, you know, in terms of, you know, dating life and, and just, I don't know. I mean, look, like there isn't, there's definitely less planning in my day-to-day life. than Fewer, fewer, fewer plannings. Yeah. What about you, Jeff? Um, I mean, especially we, we can say your betting philosophy kind of back to, to your card counting days. I mean, I think like I believe a lot in optimizations and small edges. I believe like small edges matter. And like, like we've talked about this before. If there were like a philosophy around analytics, it would be to me, it's that small edges matter. So I do think a lot about like optimizations and like, you know, gaining a small edge here and a small edge there. I think a lot about that in my everyday life. Um, Like I hate things that are inefficient, even if it's like, well, what does it matter this one time? Like, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's like, you keep doing that and that's going to add up a lot. Like whether it's paying for things that are, you know, I'll much more gladly pay for something, one big expense that's expensive than do a bunch of minus EV purchases over time. You know, like I, I'm fine yeah. buying like an expensive bottle of wine or having a nice dinner, but I wouldn't want to buy a bunch of groceries every week that spoil like yeah. that even if it's like that seems like the ulti- ultimate like dollars is not like it, it, it doesn't add up right but that's small decisions matter that's a lesson i've learned over the course of my life that that always buying the stuff on sale like buying three things that aren't perfect is worse than just buying the one thing that's maybe expensive but is going to be is going to be a better experience slash is going to last you know last for you i mean i bought i've took that for like i own one suit right now jeff the rest are I think I threw away before moat year and I own one suit. It was very, very expensive and I love it. So that the only issue with that owning one suit is like, if we ever get back to a place where I have to do speeches, like lots of speeches, you See, can't that work for you, but I don't, I don't do like that. Although, I mean, you could, some of these, I mean, look, you can be Mark Cuban and show go up in a t-shirt probably. Right. Are you, no, I think that's disrespectful. I think uh, if you're at these things, you should dress up. Um, we're about to redo our house. And with part of that, I'm going to, we're going to have to move out. And so there's a, a natural purge of your clothing and your things. So I'm like thinking a lot about these clothes that I find. And I'm like, man, I haven't seen this in a while. I don't want to throw this out. And it's like, it's insane. I, I do the same thing. It's like, I don't know. Have you read the Marie Kondo book or books? I should say. I mean, I know her ethos. Yeah. I mean, 
it is true though. When you see things, you're like, well, I haven't, I didn't know this existed the last two years, but it feels like, you know, I might want it at some point, which is dumb. It is dumb. I think when you're forced to throw stuff away, it, you know, I, I think I, that's what I need. I need to be forced to do it. Okay. Moving on. I'm going to, we have a question from Barracuda that says, what do you think of the ethics of controlling another person's sportsbook account? I don't understand the ethics. Like, does I that mean that's uh, supposed like, to be bearding? Yep, I think. That's bearding. I mean, it's probably like in many ways, the same thing as like controlling a big player in blackjack, right? You're basically yeah. like, I don't know. I mean, I don't have, I don't think there's any ethical issues in my mind with it. Although I guess it depends on like the relationship. I mean, this is like, this gets into like the spanky stuff. Like we haven't talked about spank banking a long time, but I think there's interesting ethics on all sides of what Spanky does, right? Like he's always talks about like how he always makes people money and all this kind of stuff and like his relationship with sports books. But if you're bearding, isn't that like inherently violating the trust between a bookmaker and the better? So you are, you're arguing that, so that's your argument like, that it's not ethical. I don't really, I don't, I don't have like, I don't think about this nearly as much as people do in terms of the ethics of like accepting bets versus not accepting bets. I think if you're willing to take action, it shouldn't necessarily matter who the action's coming from, I guess, as long as they're like taking the same risk. I, I don't know, I guess, but like, go ahead, Rufus. I mean, I, I was going to say for me, it's very much, I think, you know, treat people, well, I was going to say, treat people how you want to be treated. And I think that the books that are honorable to me and that I think treat me fairly, I have, I would never do anything to, you know, I would never do anything um, in any way untoward. I wouldn't bet under a different account. You know, I wouldn't try to like evade limits in a way because they're honest and they're doing things in an ethical way, in my opinion. Um, I think it's, I, if, if a book is, I guess, acts in a way that to me is less, um, you know, fair or, I mean, they're, if they're, if they're essentially playing those, if, if they're, if they're playing those games with me, then I, then I feel justified playing the games with them. And I don't think, and personally, I don't think it's. Like, so you would never beard it, but the thing is you would no, never. No, so I, I, I never have beards, but you can have betting partners who have an equity stake and that is legal. Okay. You know, Jeff, if you and I, let's say you were in Nevada and, you know, I was like, like, hey, do you want to be my betting partner and bet some stuff for me? And you, you know, got a certain percentage. You know, I said you, you would, you, you took, you know, 30% and I took 70% or something like that. And you had the same downside, you had the downside and the upside, you know, that's not that there's, that is, that is not illegal. I, you could argue that like, if I had to send you tell you your my recommendations i should say for what to bet um across state lines and you could get all get into the wire act stuff but that notwithstanding yeah um how far based off the re off reality is the movie 21 very far it depends what you mean though right like the storyline is jeff, very jeff used to you know have blonde hair and blue eyes no, but that's not what I find interesting about that movie is that a lot of the actual like card counting scenes are pretty accurate. 
meaning like they do call-ins, the whole thing. Like the 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 least accurate part of that movie, the 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 plot and the storyline are obviously completely inaccurate. And like, you weren't saving up for medical school. I wasn't saving up for medical school, although I did want to go to medical school. And then I took the I started my uh, AMCAS application and was like not interested. I never got beat up. Like there was not really a Lawrence Fishburne character. Um, but a lot of what they do, the, the only thing that like drives me crazy is like when the guy that plays me, Jim Sturgis, when he like goes on tilt and loses all that money and just starts getting, that never happened. Like no one would have ever done that. We were way too disciplined. So um, that's probably the most inaccurate part from a gambling perspective. But a lot of what they do- Which does that irritate you, Jeff? That people think that if they, if people are like, you know, maybe Jeff did that. Um, a little bit. No, no. I mean, not really. I mean, I, I like. There's not a lot that irritates me about that movie, just because it's fiction, right? At the end of the day, it's not like it's not the historical adaptation of Jeff Ma's life. It's, it's historical fiction. It's barely that. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. One question I had, Rufus, and and I would love to throw this out to our listeners. Don't you think, and I don't actually know if this is a prize or a punishment, but don't you think we should offer up um, a sort of like next version or next uh, version of the Bet the Process Invitational to be hosted on the course of a listener? Where we go visit a listener's course so people can like shout out like where their members at or where they can get us on at that's gonna pick the best course well and we'll just go (laughs) right obviously we'll pick the best could be more fun like doesn't have to be the best course it could be fun and we'll go play with them we'll go play you and i or we could play them one of us and them and one of their friends like we just do some fun stuff i want to be on your team jeff yeah like you and i could actually be on the same team that'll be fun uh we should do that. And if and people can like send us, this worked so well last time when we tried to get input from our listeners and got zero. Um, so maybe this time we'll get at least one person saying like, yeah, you can play at my local Muni par 65 course uh, that they don't really actually tend to the greens, et cetera. That's probably what we'll get from one of our seven listeners. Well, Jeff, you know, what's funny is I was, um, I played on, I think it was Saturday maybe with my brother and he shot a 75 like three over par on a legit course that. yeah and and someone responded and they were like i think wait i saw you on the 10th hole like you know i was on 18 you're on 10 and someone was like how are you hitting them and i said some okay some not so okay because i i'd sprayed my drive to the 18th fairway on the 10th hole which was a fine place to miss it turns out but um yeah this and small world yeah um do you this is actually a good question and i know the answer to you are golf courses in vegas a stupid waste of water is that the one no do you need a good narrative for why a line is inefficient in order to bet it or is simply having a sufficient delta versus your model enough so i know the answer that's a really good question i know it is i think it's an awesome question i'll start i'll I'll say that and that's from tommy haddad so on an individual bet, like for, for me now, I don't need, I don't really look at that. I don't, you know, my process, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm confident enough in my process and my numbers that I don't need to know why I have an edge. But I think when you're starting, starting out, I mean, well, hold on Rufus for one second though. Imagine that you're way off market. If I'm way off market. Okay. So 
Yeah. Doesn't like, that change if you're way off market? Yes, for sure. If I saw something that was way, way off market, I would say, well, clearly maybe there's something I'm missing. Like what if I, I was showing huge value on everyone to miss the cut and it turns out that I still had my simulation programmed for like the US Open where it's top 60 instead of top 65, right? Like there's things like that that can come up. Um, and, or generally speaking, I mean, there's things like, you know, an injury or something like that, that you're not accounting for. Um, yeah. If you're way off market, you, you kind of take a step back and you're like, why for sure. And I think honestly, this has been something that my brother has been fantastic at. Um, we, a few weeks ago, we were, he noticed, he's like, we're, we've been really low on, on Goddard, on this guy, Chris Goddard up who's a, well, he just graduated from, I think, or turned pro from Florida State, like top amateur. And we were low on him. And I went into the data. I was like, yeah, I think we're probably, like, it didn't make sense why we were that low on him. And it turned out there was um, there was some bug, basically. That there was miss, there was some data missing on on something. And, and um, I won't get into the boring details, but there was an issue there. Got it. So I think, I don't know if you, I think that's a different question though, Jeff, though, like when you're really far off versus in general, because I think it's good to know where you're, I think you want to know where your alpha comes from. I think that's a good thing to know, generally speaking. Yeah. Do you contextualize things better? Are you, you know, you're not overreacting to recency or, you know, like if you're building a model, if you're originating a bottom up model, you're not going to know it, there's not going to be one reason. It's probably going to be the, the sum of a bunch of little areas where you're better, you're a little bit better, um, or you're adding something to the market. But I think it's still good to have an idea of where your alpha is coming from. So this is like, the reason that this is interesting to me is like for you and I that have done television, uh, both of us have been on ESPN, no big deal. Both of us failed miserably there. Also no big deal. Um, yeah, I failed worse. Eh, Although you did have that one clip that that was pretty bad but most oh, of mine I, I never apparently jeff people told me i never i never blinked when i was on air not once i just stared i, I probably stared. i probably blinked enough for you so the average the median of our blinking was probably good um so when we when we did those segments and and i still do kornheiser right and so you know your model comes up and then you got to figure out like what are the narratives behind like why your model is what it is. And so I think both of us done a fair amount of this kind of like narrative searching within like when after a model is sort of like, and it's kind of an interesting process, right? Because you do want to create an interesting narrative around why your model is what it is for, for television purposes or for podcast purposes. So you do, but I will say just as often I could have created a narrative for the opposite side. Of course. Because there's there's factors on both That sides. is the worst. Like because I I look at a lot of like turnovers or like yards per play or things like that. So right. And that stuff now is like factored into the market. Of course. And so the yeah. I mean the narratives now are if you if you're actually finding like edges on flip, you know, true edges on Sunday NFL, it's probably stuff related to like these three linemen with their, you know, the angles of their pads and the data shows something, something, something. Okay. So how is sports betting different one year from now, comma, three years from now? And that's from bears versus JPEGs. 
Okay. Um, one year from now, we're going to have a few different exchanges. And so I think that's going to be exciting. I think that'll, I think uh, I, I'm very excited about, about both the exchanges and I hope they do well. Um, I think that we also will have probably fewer, lesser promotions, fewer promotions. What's the right word, Jeff? More. You think there'll be more giveaways? Oh, no. I think there's going to be less money. You know, I think there'll be less money, um, free money for, for betters basically out there. And I think three years from now, um, we might have a shakeup at the top in the U.S. landscape. Three to five years. I think that there'll be one of these names that isn't really um, on the radar in the U.S., like maybe a bet 365 that says, okay, everybody spent all this money. Um, it hasn't really worked out for them. Now we can come in and, and actually show people how it's done. Got it. What do you think? Uh, you know, the funny thing right now is like, I'm so out of the day-to-day -day of sports betting, you know, like I haven't, I like, I'm not betting anything like very seriously at all. And it's been a while since I have, like, I bet two baseball games this year. I bet outrights in golf, you know, just for shits and giggles. And I've bet a bunch of like after date two outrights. I guess NFL, like let's focus on sort of the most liquid and interesting. I, I think some of the prop markets, it seems to me and some of like these thinner markets, I think may become thicker. I think more people will start betting some of these like thinner markets just because I think there there'll be more interest in them because they're like entertaining and fun. Hopefully they will come have come up with some new products that are interesting yes, to bet yes. in, bet on. Like, you know, like same game parlays. What an innovation. God, I wish I had thought of that. Um, but uh um maybe more stuff happening in play. Well, but I, I think I think the thing is though, in three years, there's a reasonable chance that. So there's going to be like a, I think three years, there will be a lot of people in the markets. And then maybe in like five years, there will be fewer, right? I kind of feel like there's going to be like this crescendo up. And then a lot of the, a lot of the operators are going to go out of business and there's gonna be a lot of consolidation. I mean, I think at the timing of it partly relate, you know, is going to have to do with what the economy does more broadly. Yeah. I mean, the economy is a real, that's a real shit right now. I mean, right. I, I, there's like every, everything that's going on right now from a business standpoint is, you know, we went through two years of, of uh, COVID, which like largely kept us as a society, like kind of like away from people. And now we're in this, you know, global economic meltdown, which is like keeping people from doing more of the like in-person, more fun, lavish kind of stuff. I'm, I'm pretty depressed right now about the, the future of business, sadly. Uh-oh. I Just be like me and don't, don't think about it. Just worry about who's going to win your, you know, your three ball or whatever that you're doing. I worry about who's going to win the Peabody Cup. That's important stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. What? Oh, wait, the, the the 21 question had a second part. Rufus, would you rather get an ace playing Jeff in golf at win or kick his ass in the next Calcutta? Of course, I'd rather get an ace. 
Like want to get an ace on eighteen. That would be amazing. That I don't have a hole in one. Like getting a hole in one would be like a dream come true. It's surprising to me that you don't have a hole in one yet. You know, I don't play enough par three courses. What can I say? Um, let's see. Anytime you or Jeff don't pull driver on a par four, or par five. If so, what is your thought process? Like all the time for me. There's, there's, so at my home course, Las Vegas national, the par five, fourth, one, two, three, fourth hole. It's a, it's a hole where there's penalty area to the right and houses and OB to the left. And it's very narrow and, and the it kind of dog legs to the left a little bit. And my, my miss is right with my driver. Um, and so to go for the green, you need to be on the right side of the fairway and hit like a nice drive and, you know, the safe shot is more to the left, but there's a bunker there too. And so I just, it doesn't fit my eye. I hit a four iron there and I, I hit a four iron off the tee now and I score a lot better on that hole as a result. I'm finally getting to the point where I hit clubs reliably enough that I shouldn't hit driver off the tee on some holes, but I haven't, there's not like enough methods. And the problem, the thing is really like, you can only make those decisions in my mind on if you're not that good, like me on courses that you have some familiarity with, like where you're like, Oh yeah, this is, I should do this. Or, you know, like someone could tell you like, Oh, you don't need driver here or whatever. Um, but yeah, I should probably, cause I can hit my three wood almost as far as my driver and it's definitely more reliable. Um, Anyways, I mean, right. Like the, to me, I think if you can, that seems like a relatively cost, basic question, by the way, but the cost of the cost, you know, if I could guarantee I'm going to be in the fairway, you know, being 150 out versus like a 70% chance of being in the fairway, which these are not true probabilities. Um, it's more like 50% or 20% or something, but you know, but to gain an extra 25 yards, like the difference between 150 and 125 isn't, isn't super huge. I think anytime I have a pitching wedge in my hand, or less like you know that's with the shot at the green that's good so yeah i mean a lot of times this question comes up on maybe the second shot on a par five if you can't get there in two it's like well do i want to put myself you know 60 yards out or something um or do i want to but but bring some trouble in play or do i want to you know hit an iron and put myself like you know, 120 yards out or something like that. Okay. Let's move on from our pedantic discussion of our pedestrian golf games. Um, This is a good one for you for head to head matchups in rounds two through four. Are you making many adjustments mid tournament or do you rely mostly on the pre tourney rankings, excluding weather factors, et cetera, of the. So it's, it's still mostly going to be the pre tournament rankings. Just, I mean, that's just, I mean, it, you could ask the same question about an NFL game and, and betting the second half of an NFL game. You know, one team has Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, the other has like Carson Wentz. Like that's going to be, you know, still no matter, even if Mahomes had a bad first half and Wentz had a good first half, that's still a mismatch. Um, that said, yes, like what happens in the in rounds one affects round two, et cetera. And, and it's, you know, not just, you know, the score, but, but how you scored what you did. So, I mean, I think I'm not giving away any, a lot by saying that, you know, putting is clearly you more. You're going to start getting a little but, like, but it's, it's not, it's not symmetrical too. Um, 
you know, the benefits of good putting are not the same as the cost of bad putting or whatever. So I wish I had a symmetrical face. Um, how much do you focus on preseason? We don't really. So let's move on, what? on from that. Symmetri- uh, preseason. On- you don't really focus on preseason football. No, not at all. I, I, I used to. I, like my first year at LVSC, um, I was round robining a bunch of preseason teasers and did quite well. I built a little round robin parlay. Is there anyone that you would, if they gave you a preseason pick, that you would trust? Without question. I mean, probably any, like someone that I thought is a winning better in general, probably because it, they're probably putting the work in. If Preston sent you one, would you? Yeah, I would trust it. Yeah, me too. Uh, we haven't talked to him in a while. Have you talked to him in a while? Who knows where he's going? Maybe he'll be, maybe he'll be in Newport or in Orange County next week and you can come visit both of us. That'd be nice. Um, um Okay. Stress. Like I'm just reading this strategies for preserving outs for someone betting illiquid prop markets with a significant edge. Would you press your edge as hard as possible, realizing it has a limited life or try to milk it for an extended time? This is a great question. It's what captain Jack refers to as the art of sports betting. I would say that, um, you know, as someone that has never worked for a sports book and isn't intimately familiar with the prayer player profiling software, I would say that, um, I, you know, I'm not the expert in it. I mean, I think there's, there's some tip, there's some tricks of the trade. Um, Captain Jack wrote a pretty good article about this back around maybe like last February or something on unabated that, that talks about it. Um, there was some, I think it was Jack that wrote it. There were some interesting nuggets that I picked up, like, you know, square bettors tend to, like, I, I know, you know, betting from your phone rather than your computer, um, betting rather than to win, like rather than 3,300 to win 3,000, risking 3,000 to win like 27, you know, 27 or whatever. That's kind of like what uh, a, a square is more likely to do. Um, but overall, I think it's like, what, how, how big is the edge? How long is it going to last? And like, you know, there's, you know, at these non-market making types of books, there's always a, um, you know, if you're winning, you're eventually going to get limited. It's just, that kind of is just the way it's going to work. And so is it worth the squeeze to just press it hard or not? And that's, I think on a case by case basis. Is the juice worth the squeeze? Exactly. Um, I think in blackjack, if you want the analogy, cause now we're just, I'm just turning everything into blackjack. There is like this whole idea of, you know, when there's like a beatable game, how much do you like beat it, right? Like, do you like try to, and, and one of the issues, like, I guess that's similar in sports betting. Did you did you see the like recent uh, tweet? And I forgot who it was, so I feel really bad about this, but he was actually like, in Captain Jack actually like, I think retweeted or something. It was about, he had found a hole in like the, like some of the, the baseball props where some is this telemachus yeah maybe it was a yeah, he, wrote a, he wrote a really good article yeah i um, know it was, it was well, interesting. He's, like, he's a really really smart guy it was like some books have you you can talk about it then if you know it better it's like some books are the rules are like no action versus action depending on like whether they start or not right it was a ninth inning line what's that it was a ninth inning money line no, that's not what it was. This was a prop. This is prop bets on like hit on hits on over unders on hits. Oh, and, and one was, was 
like one basically right. So I mean, one basically was no action if they didn't start, and the other was action, no action if they didn't play. Yeah, you kind of bet both sides, and there was a there was a there was a reasonable arbitrage, right? Yeah, he he talked about the um the ninth inning money lines in the article front. We of should it. have him on. That would actually be a good. We should He'd see be a great guest. I don't know who he is or whatever, but like I I thought it was very thoughtful. Um, but anyways, when you, when you, when you see a hole in a game, like how much, you know, like back in the day, the Rio in Las Vegas had, and also the MGM grand for a while, they had one of the most beatable shuffles there was. And so you could like do shuffle tracking. And in addition to shuffle tracking, you could count cards. In addition to that, you could do cuts and all of those look very, and you could do Collins, right. And all of those look very different from a betting pattern perspective. So if you're a novice sports book, like a novice uh, floor person, you're not going to be able to pick up any betting patterns if you're able to do all four of those. And they're very, those are all beatable games. Um, And so you just have to be skilled in all of those to be able to do it, but you could make a ton of money doing that. And they wouldn't really have any idea what you're doing for a while. And those were super beatable games back in the day. Thanks for asking Rufus. Um, Welcome. All right. Well, Rufus okay, is question. DMing me something, and now I feel like he's whispering sweet nothings into my ear. Of course. Um, when is saying when is eyes, Simon Hunter NFL? And this that is, light, you your know, eyes just look so beautiful. Do you know who Simon Hunter is, Rufus? Is he the guy? Is he Action Network guy? He's the guy that goes on with Chad. Yeah. Okay. Week. And he is a professional better, Simon Hunter. I don't know if you knew that. He's Why is he NFL at the end of his name? Uh, because probably Simon Hunter with no NFL was taken. Ah. Um, he's gonna buy circles off. That's interesting. Is he actually doing this? No, Rufus. Okay, I didn't think so. I was actually pretty funny. Joke. Have you listened to that pod? You should listen to that podcast. I listen to it. I, I, it is, it is the sports, the other sports betting podcast I listen to. I just don't listen. Why do you to a lot listen of to that podcast? What? Why do you listen to that? I mean, I listen to it when they have a guest that I'm interested in on, but. Well, it's normally just it's normally just uh, Chad and Simon typically. Oh, I th- you said circles off. No, I'm talking about Simon Hunter's podcast. I'm not talking about Circles okay. Off. Circles, yeah, I thought you were talking about Circles Off. Um, no, you never listen to Chad and, and Simon's no, podcast. Not once. Sorry. I, I listened to it nothing, once. I mean, I, I am not in what a position is, to what say What is the over-under? Because I never listened to it. And I, I just, to be honest, Jeff, I don't listen to a lot of sports podcasts. I know we've talked about this, Rufus. You've said this a bunch. I want of time. time away from sports when I'm not working. When is the, what is the over under on the amount of time that you would last through the Chad and Simon podcast? Seven minutes. I'll take the over seven minutes, but not much over. Um, I don't understand this question. You're playing roulette in Caesar's Palace or Caesar's Palace. After how many consecutive reds do you raise your stake? It's about your relationship to what you perceive as reality, not a trick question. I thought it was about your relationship with your mom. <laughs> it's about as relevant as how many reds would happen, right? Um, have you ever played roulette? I have. Interesting. I mean, I've spent probably longer than the over, or less, I don't, so fewer minutes than, than the over under on how long I'd last on the Simon Hunter podcast playing roulette, but. The, the, the roulette thing is like incredible to me how long it takes them to spin the wheel. If I were a degenerate gambler, which I'm not, but if I were, 
that would drive me crazy. So, yeah, but you get more bang for your buck. It, it builds suspense. Has the live golf stuff impacted your model? And how do you think about model revisions in any sport due to rule changes, new leagues, etc.? No, I mean, it's like I, I get data on the live tour. I incorporate that into my numbers for the players. And hell, so far, the live has been like a cash cow for my betting. I've, you know, done well in the first two events and hopefully that continues this week. Where is it this week? It's at um, Trump National Bedminster. We were, uh, I played up at Silverado recently, and that's the same place they have the first four event. Yeah, four net first event. You should come up for that. We'll go play Friday in the morning at the course that they're not playing the event, and then we'll just walk over to the actual event and watch the event. You did, you did that this past year, right? Yeah, I'm going to do it again this year. Well, if I, if I talk to the guy, that, the tournament director, and he allows me to do it, but yeah. <laughs> um, do you bet a flat unit or do you bet a percentage against your bankroll? Thank you. Um, neither. Like, like it's, I would say it's closer to a flat unit cause it's what I can get down. It's largely, it's like you send this out to people and you see what they come back with. And at this point I'm, I'm under betting my bankroll overall. So, I mean, I will say there are times, there are things I will cap, like, you know, I'm not going to take a hundred thousand dollars on so i'm not gonna you know even in there are certain cases where because of betting partners and and some markets being more liquid and exchanges and stuff we're able to get down we could get down quite a lot on an outright and that's how we had like ridiculous liability on on in the masters we ended up with like over four hundred thousand dollars risk on outrights for the masters and so um that's an experience i don't want to repeat to be honest because i was like i can totally endless sorry you hit any of them? No, but but it actually include the each ways too. So that's like the the top whatever. Um, so no, but we hit some of the place parts. Um, so technically, I guess only like half of that was outright, and the rest was like top six or seven or eight bets. But um, but but my point, like there, like it's within reason. So I, I don't have I don't have a Kelly calculator. Like I don't. Again, I we've had this conversation before about right. how to define a bankroll, and I don't know what I would define as my bankroll right now exactly. But at this point, it's more about just how what I'd be comfortable with in terms of like even if my bankroll is actually you know four x what I'm the number I would be using for for this. Like you know I'm at this point. There's I think value to me in terms of like psychological EV for, you know, not, you know, be betting full Kelly. Um, well, most of the time I'm not, that doesn't come up. So. Okay. How many people actually win at sports betting? Thanks. I will hang up and listen to your answer. Um, depends on the type of sports better. I think there's people that are, you know, finding angles, there's the sort of the top down handicappers, AKA steam chasers, right. That are looking for, to pick off numbers that are moving slowly um, versus sort of originators. And then there's sort of big market versus small market originators. So I would say, um, I don't know. Jeff, I don't know. I mean, I think clearly more people win that are, that are 
sort of the the chasing steam, finding, you know, mistake lines at books. I think there's fewer people that are winning, originating, especially in big markets. But I don't know. What, like, what, what are we going to be on that are just randomly picking it outright in golf and betting them? You know, I think only one person that I know wins at that. But that's because he has superior intuition. I would really love to see my outright record in golf over the last year because I'm guessing it's actually really good, which is like insane because it's like, I think probably for the previous three years, it was probably terrible. So it's probably just like variance right now. It is variance. Okay. I'll take it back. Now just talking to myself. Um, are you playing the lotto if it gets over 608 payout after taxes? Probably not. Cause Have you ever played a lotto? Now, back when I uh, worked at a little convenience store in college, I would play some scratch off tickets. Back, back when you worked at a barbershop in Skokie, Illinois. Exactly. How'd you know? You know that's from? No. Usual suspects. Sorry. Usual suspects. Ah. Have you seen the usual suspects? Yes, of course. That word yesterday, that word yesterday is hard for me. Can we take that out? You know what that's from? What's that from? That's from the January 7th of last year or whatever year outtakes from Trump. Trump's like, oh, he's like yesterday. That word's hard for me. Can we take that out? I didn't hear that. Whatever your political affiliation, that is a funny set of clips. Um, Okay, anywho. well, we're at the end of our, do you have a question? I feel like we should ask each other a question. Are there any more? Wait, there's one more question. How are you paying taxes as a professional sports better? Um, I will say that I am wiring money or transferring money from my bank account to the IRS. That's how I'm paying taxes. And I don't particularly enjoy doing it. We all pay a lot of taxes. Uh, any other questions you do? Any questions you have for me? Um, there's one. How would you defend yourself if you're attacked by someone armed with a piece of fresh fruit? Depends what the fruit is. It's fresh though. So if you can catch it I and then eat it. Probably would eat it. Yeah. Although I'm not big on fruit generally. Um, what piece of fruit would you want to be attacked by? Ooh. It's a hard soft, something soft, preferably that wouldn't. Like that was the thing that was too soft. Clothing, though, you don't want to stain your clothing. Right, that's what I'm saying. Maybe like an orange, maybe like a clementine, like one of those little, uh, like you know, about a tangerine. Yeah, I think clementine clementine is is um, those are softer. Uh, Okay, Rufus, I'll ask you one question: Where is the next place that you're going to settle for a year? Um, right now, probably New York City. Are you going to be Are you going to be in Vegas for Memorial for Labor Day? Because I think I'm going to go. Yeah, I can make I can make that happen. Yeah, let's go out there. There'll be some college football going on. We'll hit the pool parties. Maybe we'll try to play some golf. I'm we'll going to Delilah. You've been to Delilah. Delilah's uh-uh. awesome. it's fun. I'm considering maybe doing like a few months in in like Asia this. Um, but don't you kind of feel like it's fun to be in Vegas for the fall, like for football season? Like it's fun a lot of places in the fall. Like I spent when I was in New York City last fall, that was fantastic. Um, I haven't really been to Vegas for a good college football Saturday, and I feel like forever. 
I don't really like watching games in sports books, though, Jeff. No, but we watched it at the pool, the pool party. I, I, I'd much prefer all watching. The ladies, all the ladies love it when you're watching pool, like the football at the pool. They love when you when you explain to them how you know the rules too. Have you heard the uh, the the new term for mansplaining? It's called correctile dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty funny. Uh, okay. Make that up yourself. No, I saw that on Twitter, and it's actually really funny. Um. What, uh, do you have any questions for me? I, I had some good ones for you. Let's hear them. No, I did. I asked you where you're going to be for the next year. Oh. And you said New York City. You love New York City. See, I know where you're, you're going to be. City right now. What's that? But, um, what is, what's the best round you've shot this summer? I shot at 87, but I've been like, I've been like continually over the last little while shooting in like the, like, like, 87 88 89 80. I can't I just can't break through. I've I've shot like for a, for a for a 9. I've shot like not 39. So like I you I know like know. what's up? That's really good. Yeah, no, I'm getting better. I think if you saw me play now you'd be surprised. Like I've definitely gotten a lot better at just striking the ball and I'm like learning things. But my short game is still just not good enough to really score. And so that's probably the thing that like, if I really wanted to score better, I would just start practicing my short game more. Is it, just, is it practice or is it like form? Like, have you taken lessons on that? Uh, I think it's practice. And I think it's also like really having a plan of what I should, what I do. Like, you know, cause there's a lot of ways you can play different shots. And even like I did a playing lesson with my coach and, and that was super helpful because he kind of was just telling me to putt a lot more things than I would normally putt. And that was like helpful. Um, but uh, no, there's like things and like, just like general, like form of like when, when you chip and you're like, or bump and run and like what, what the, you know, what your like left hand is supposed to look like and everything like that. Like, so, yeah, I mean, the thing is like, realistically, I still only get out to play golf or pick up a club like once a week. So it's still like a very long, arduous process to get better at something. If you only do it once a week, my uncle always said, you got to play twice a week. If you want to improve. I think you got to pick up a club three to four times a week, at least like if you're hitting, if you hit in a hitting net or anything like that. So we shall see. Are you, are you good? How are you out of uh, greenside bunkers? Uh, this time, can you get it out? Not, not great. I mean, I, I'm streaky as it pertains to that. Like I've, I've actually like went and my problem is that if I go practice, I'm pretty good at it. Yeah. And I'll like, you know, you know, get in a zone and be great. And, and I kind of think I have like the right, the right approach now it's, it's outside in it's, you know, like level shoulders. It's like getting like, I kind of think I have an approach that works. So we shall see. I was so bad out of bunkers. That was my big weakness. And I uh, you know who's bad out of bunkers? Tony Kornheiser. Yeah. He will yeah. just throw the ball out eventually. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was that was probably the weakest part of my game, aside from fairway bunkers. And um, but I did last fall I did this, we did this sort of weekend, actually it was week. Weekend at Bernie's. I did it th- like it was me um myself, um, Chris Fargis and John Sheeran from FanDuel. And we did this sort of like three days we took like we had two sort of morning lessons with this professional this is somewhere in new, out in new jersey i think like crystal springs crystal lakes i don't remember the name exactly but but this guy like he the one thing he told me like was some basically to like 
that I can break my wrists on the bunker shot, basically to think of that, like, and just, just put the ball like underneath, like take the legs out from it. And somehow the way he described it to me, I was like, I did it. And I was like, wow, okay. Now I know how to hit a bunker shot. Like I never knew how to do that right before. So. Got it. Um, any other questions? No, that's all we got. Unless you have any more questions for me and we can have a fun discussion. We went for an hour. That seems yeah. like a podcast. It was reasonably interesting. I, I would love though to re- reiterate the idea of us doing a trip together to somewhere to host us for golf would be really fun. I think that actually be like a, a fun, a fun trip. We could do more activations with our seven listeners. We could do at least seven different activations, probably. We should have literally like a bet the process invitational where we get, I don't know, a group of, you know, I don't know, whoever wants to show up. What? Our listeners together? Yeah. There'd be nine of us. A bet the process meetup. We should have a bet the process meetup somewhere. What percentage of our listeners do you think actually play golf? Um, Like how regularly or just like can't own their own club? What percentage of our listeners are better than me at golf? That's actually an interesting question. So... So if they play, don't play, they're worse than you. So I would say. No, if they don't play, they're not, they're neither. Of people that play golf, I'd say probably 70% are better than you, maybe. I don't know. I bet that's not true. Well, it depends on what, how often, you know, play golf, how often constitutes playing golf. If it's someone plays like once a year, that's. True. Although. Cade, Cade plays like once a year, and I think he could take you. He's got he's he got a played, smooth swing. He probably played a lot when he was young, at some point in his life, though. Yeah, he grew up in Texas. I think he. Yeah, that's that's like a different ball game, right? Like I've never had a point in my life where I played a lot until like recently, and playing a lot is literally like once a week, if I'm lucky. So that's not a lot, right? Like people growing up playing golf, that's a different story than me. All right, Rufus. All right, Jeffy. Uh, it was great talking to you. We'll be back in two, well, not two weeks, probably three weeks. So you, we'll be you, dark you, you know, I, I'm I'm gallivanting around and always, and you're, although gallivanting is the wrong word. I'm. It's just hard because the place, we, we can try. I'll, we can try to do a podcast once over the next two weeks. We'll try. If we if we have like a good topic to talk about and and the people reach out to us on the Twitters, and and get us psyched about doing podcasts meaning like we feel like there are people that actually listen to this then maybe we could do one or if anything happens exciting we also got to get our nfl calcutta going or if we're going to do a college football calcutta we got to get that i think we need to do both of those i think they'll be fun and most of our listeners don't care about that but um yeah we enjoy the calcuttas so yeah for sure Although I, I will say, Jeff, it's funny. You're like, people are slowing down on Calcutta's. And you say this because you've been, your results have been slowing down on Calcutta's. Well, no, I mean, I, I'm saying it because we only had six people yeah. in our last Calcutta. Like that was, that was, has nothing to do with like, I, and it was like. Yeah, it's the British Open. It's the last of the four majors. We'd had a bunch of Calcutta's. Like, I think people, the, the one that people are most excited for every year is probably the NFL one. And then the March Madness, because we haven't had them in a while. So I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, it's a fifth. The fifth. Golf I think the U.S. Cup. I think the World Cup one will be super fun. I think so too. So, okay. All right. Uh, we'll talk to you guys sure. all 
uh, in a, a few weeks. Not sure when, but tweet to us if you want us to actually do an episode in the next two weeks. Thanks, guys. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are about to end just running off a of ledger.